0: Welcome in. This is the Falcons podcast. It is a gorgeous Monday morning, nice and cool here in the South in Atlanta. My name is Scott Kennedy. I'll be your host today, and we're going to talk about a host of things today. But the main topic is going to be how this Atlanta Falcons roster has been built and how they are set up for the long haul because of their age, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Then we'll take a look at the defensive side of the ball and say, okay, if you've got your core pieces on offense, Where do you need to get younger on defense in order to build something that will last? Uh, We also want to take care of a few news items as well. It's been since Wednesday since we saw you, and several things have happened. Not a ton, but a few. We'll take care of, uh, we'll hit on some of that. Some uh, a season-ending injury, unfortunately. uh, Suspension of some speculation from national media about a couple of players and their bounce-back years, etc., etc., First off, I want to say say hello to a couple of folks that have come in nice and early, like Michael Ranquillo joining the chat with us. He says, good morning, Scott and Nick on the Falcons podcast. Nick might join us. You know, I forgot to check in. I know we had uh, kind of taken Mondays off from Bronco, Broncos for breakfast, but I want to keep this Monday slot for for the Falcons. I like it. And if we're not doing another show right after this, we can take our time. So if you've got something to say, if you want to, uh, you know, if, if we're going along and we're we're rolling we don't have to cut it off at 29 30 minutes so michael appreciate you being here thanks for coming in and alan says good morning gentlemen good morning to you alan and uh just a gentleman at this point so uh welcome hit that like and share button uh we start slow as the social media algorithms start working their way to find people and then we start building up so typically as we're ready to sign off we're at our highest numbers so we'll go a little bit longer today if we need to uh, playing it on 30 minutes. We'll see how it goes from there. Denver Luke coming in says morning, Scott. Good morning, Denver Luke. Hope you are doing well. He's over in on, uh, on YouTube as well. And it looks like the, uh, the, the, like I said, it takes a little while for the Facebook folks to start being reached too. Cause we don't have our Facebook users in when you do hit that like button. Appreciate you. Gary Palmer says, good morning. All good morning to you, Gary. Hope you're doing well. And, uh, We'll get into a couple of the news items right now. Um, I think the biggest impacting news, not the most red news, but the biggest impact news that hit the Atlanta Falcons this week was the loss of Avery Williams to an ACL. Uh Avery Williams led the the NFL in punt return yards and punt return average last year by some distance. He was in the 16s, the next closest was in the 13s. So he led by almost three yards per return. And if you look at like Two, three, four, five, and 6, it's like 13-5, 13-3, 12-9, 12-7, 12-5. They're all pretty tight in there. And then there's this 16, this outlier. Avery Williams was drafted to be a return specialist. He was a cornerback return specialist at Boise State. That was Terry Fontenot's first draft class, and one of the things they really wanted to do in his first draft class, or at least in their first year, that you could improve for cheap because the Falcons had no money were special teams. So getting Avery Williams, getting Cordero Patterson as your kick returner. And then what he turned into was just even was just gravy, but getting Cordero Patterson, you know, sink, uh, locking up young way Koo, And all of a sudden the Atlanta Falcons special teams were good. Uh, but with, with an investment, I think he was a, f- I want to say seventh, but I feel like he was fifth. So he's probably sixth. but he was a day three pick and, he was he actually, the Falcons were so thin that first year that he actually saw some time at corner, which he was moved to running back in his second year. That tells you how he was as an NFL corner and how thin the Atlanta Falcons were and how it was kind of a miracle to win seven games at all um, with that team. Really played well. If you're going to use a pick on a special teams player, he needs to hit because he's not really doing anything else. He did contribute some. He had about... 150, yards from scrimmage is a fourth back, really, behind Patterson, behind Algier, but behind Caleb Huntley before he got hurt. Um, but his loss on special teams is a big one, and and that's really a shame. Um, and I'm not going to apologize for putting that in the description. I put that in the description on Facebook, and someone came in and said I was like glorifying it. Whoever wrote this is glorifying I'm like, no, Avery Williams is a big loss if you're losing the number one in a positive stat and anything in the NFL, it's a big loss. And I'm not apologizing for saying Avery Williams is a big loss to this team because he is, and he's going to be missed. And we hope he gets well soon and, uh and comes back, comes back in quickly. I see Steve, um, Lazuski has been in on Facebook as well. So welcome in Steve. Hope you're doing well. Um, the other little piece of news involved, the defensive backfield, the, uh, I put down Breon Ford, but that's not the guy's name. Uh, The Falcons signed Breon Borders. Breon Ford was an old defensive back from way back in my days. As you get older, when you remember names, they go back farther to older people. I don't know how broadcasters don't do it more often where they see a kid out there whose dad played, and they don't call him his dad 100 times. Um, But Breon Borders was signed uh, last week, and then like 48 hours later, it's announced that he's got a two-game suspension. I'm not sure how much this is gonna matter. Um, one, he was a long I think he was a long shot to make the act of 53 anyway. Two, how it matters is if he was a long shot, he, he's gonna be released. So we will see it, it didn't say it was undisclosed reasons. It was probably gambling. you know he he bought a lottery ticket or something legally at a at a place that was advertising at an NFL stadium with NFL stuff on their shirts that says, Hey, bet us. And they did and got suspended for it. It's a little hip- hypocritical for me. Um, I don't know that for sure what happened to him, but it was a two game suspension. It came from the NFL. It didn't come from the Atlanta Falcons. It came from the NFL. So maybe they knew about that when they signed him. Maybe they didn't either way. I think he was a bubble guy to make the 53 period. So, um, not a huge loss there, but he, he, he was, he was a good depth piece. I, I when, when they signed him, I kind of mentioned him as this is a kind of player the Falcons are able to get for their 90 instead of their active 53. Last year and the year before, they were so broke. This is the kind of guy that you were hoping would be able to be a starter because you're getting cast-offs and you're signing veteran minimums instead of bringing veteran minimums in for guys to fill out your 90-man roster in the summer. So I thought he was part of the ninety. With a chance, uh Breon Borders quarterback. He he saw some time with Jacksonville, Tennessee, and Chicago Bears. I said you hit the double there for the Atlanta Falcons with the Titans and Bears. Usually it only takes one to become a Falcon when you got both of them on your resume. Man, how could he not be an Atlanta Falcon? Um, but I I think we may not see a ton of Breon Borders as uh as an Atlanta Falcon. Chris Walker coming on Facebook as well. This is morning, Scott. I hope you had a great weekend. Did have a good weekend. We got um, some softball in on Friday, three baseball games on Saturday, and then it rained everybody out on Sunday. So we kind of just relaxed and chilled out a little bit on Sunday. But it was a good rain. If you're uh, if you're in the southeast, you knew we needed that rain, and it was a good heavy rain. Um, greened everything up around here. It looks like a rainforest, a jungle out in my backyard so appreciate you being in mark schrader coming in from texas says good morning mr kennedy good morning to you mark um i'm reading a book right now that's set in like west texas plains and i've been thinking about you so um very big country out there and i think you're not out in lubbock that's that's someone else um but uh coming in from texas hope you are doing well he's coming in on youtube um so to get back to the topic and uh, Bleacher Report, we've got an article on it. And I'll drop it in the uh, in the chat real quick. Uh, Dave Holcomb put an article out on our uh, All Falcons page. So if you haven't been to allfalcons.com, check it out. Um, it's growing. Uh, getting about 100,000 unique users a month at this point, which is pretty nice for a little independent. So, um, so check it out. But Bleacher Report kind of put together that the most cost-efficient backfields, and that's just running back rooms, not even counting the quarterback room, because it's definitely far and away uh, if you throw the quarterback in there, too, for the offensive backfield. And they included Caleb Huntley, who's not making a ton of money, Tyler Algier, who was a fifth-round pick, I believe, so he's not making any money, Uh, Cordero Patterson with his cap hit in the second year of a three-year deal, and then Bijan Robinson, who's making more than the other three combined, uh, their cap hit comes in at about $11 million. And there's five or six players that have a higher cap hit than the Falcons' entire running back room. And let me hit those names again. Tyler Algier, 1,000-yard rusher as a rookie. Bijan Robinson, number eight pick. The X-Factor, Cordero Patterson. And Caleb Huntley, who was really did really well before he got hurt last year. Would you trade that running back room for anybody right now? Anybody else's? And then, And then it's the cheapest. It's arguably the best, and it is without a doubt. It is uh, subjectively, it is subjectively the or objectively. I screw that up if I'm if I'm in a hurry. It's objectively, forget it. By the math, it's the cheapest. <laughs> it's the cheapest, and it's objectively subjectively the best. Um, that becomes an opinion. I don't know that I trade that running back room for a bunch of for for anybody else, especially in this offense you might say okay well this single running back I'd rather have him than anybody else you've got or any two that you've got that's okay but in this offense you're going to need several running backs and you've got some good ones you got two bell cows and Bijan Robinson and um and Tyler Algier and you've got then Cordell Patterson like I said the x factor and um Algiers is a decent receiver. Cordero Patterson, obviously, is a very good receiver out of the backfield. And Bijan Robinson is an excellent receiver out of the backfield. So the the uh, the cheapest and arguably the best backfield uh, for the Atlanta Falcons for a team that wants to run the ball. Um, I think they're running their wide receiver room. If it's not last, it's pretty close to being last as well. Because you've, you're your number one guy. And I'll throw I'll throw Kyle Pitts in there too. So your number two guys are on rookie contracts. All it takes is one number one. Now they're, they're high draft picks, so they're getting they're getting paid well. Uh, but all it takes is one big contract for a number one or a t- number two. I mean, Russell Gage is making more than Kyle Pitts and Drake London. So where did the Falcons put their money on offense? Into the offensive line. So you're looking at this team and the youth. And the way they're built and you know i start looking down here at the wide receiver room and wide receiver and tight ends i'm on the atlanta falcons page right now and you start looking at age um even some of the veterans they they brought in um let's see penny hart's just 26 one of the guys they brought in the old man of the bunch is kaderal hodge who's 28 uh drake london and it wasn't just the guys they drafted drake london's still 21 years old uh kyle pitts is just 22 years old um, Bijan Robinson, rookie. Tyler, Tyler Algier, a second year guy. Desmond Ritter, second year guy. The skill players for this team are young and cheap right now. Now they will, you're hoping, play their way into being more expensive. But you've got a few years of that. And where did you put your money on this offense? Yeah, pretty easy to figure that one out. On this offense, the money is in the offensive line. Jake Matthews has the highest cap hit, if I'm not mistaken, of any offensive lineman in the NFL. That's ripe for a restructure if they feel they need the money. I've talked about this for over a year. They, Nick and I were a little surprised that the Falcons had the huevos to bite the bullet and take the huge dead cap hit on Matt Ryan, but it was the right thing to do. It's tough to say, okay, we're going to take a $40 million dead cap hit. We're going to do that. Record dead cap hit. They had a record number of dead cap money last year and they struggled. It was tough. You have to have your backing from the ownership in order to do that. You can't say, listen, we're going to wipe out half of our team. We're going to go out there with half a roster with, uh, I I think they were at about $110 million on a 220. We're going to go out there with $110 million of, of salary next year. And they won seven games. It was amazing. So, they sink some money into the, into the offensive line and shore up some two guys, two guys, the big cap number. Who's right for a restructure. Or if you let it play out this year, you've got a lot of flexibility with Jake Matthews. So just like they took the dead cap number last year on Matt Ryan, which is the right thing to do rather than getting out over your skis and saying, boy, we could have another $10 million to play with. If we restructured Jake Matthews contract, and extended him another three years and kicked that down the line another three years, where now you're still on the hook to pay Jake Matthews for three more years. His, um, I'll look it up real quick, but his dead cap number, his contract becomes so much more flexible if you just give it one more year and have that, that big number. Now, they restructured it a little bit this year, but there's still a lot more room there. So Jake Matthews, his cap hit, is uh is 28.4 million dollars this year. Um that's a lot. Now they restructured it so they they couldn't do anything. They did restructure it some, but he still has that huge cap hit because it was like 33 or he's got a 55. They're stuck to him for two more years. Okay, so the restructure did change it. He's got a 55 million dollar dead cap hit with that restructure. You're not doing anything with that. Um next year it goes to 19 cap hit So you get you get um, almost ten million dollars back next year in salary cap money, and his dead caps at twenty seven. Okay, cost you eight million dollars to get rid of him, of of dead cap money uh, or or salary cap twenty seven. He's safe. The next year, twenty twenty five, when he's thirty three years old, his cap hit goes uh, is still nineteen, and his dead cap hit drops to seven point eight. So two more years. Two more years on uh, on Jake Matthews. But then you look across the board, <clears throat> you've got a rookie left guard. You've got a third-year player at center. You've got Chris Lindstrom, who's still young. You've got Caleb McGarry, who's still young. So the only old man on, the, really, the only old man on this offense is Jake Matthews. This Atlanta Falcons offense is built for the long haul. What's the key to this? The biggest question, as Bleacher reports that, as we all know, the key to this then will be the quarterback play. Uh, if Desmond Ritter becomes the guy that the Falcons are showing all indications that he is, this offense is going to be something special here in the next, couple, the next couple years with this foundation of the offensive line built and these young skill guys, and then you can supplement where you need on offense. Now, where did all that money go? They got all that money. Well, obviously, all that money went on defense. The Falcons have built a young offense they've built it so let's let's look across the board um five offensive linemen all five were draft picks all of the players I mentioned I'm not sure if I think Huntley was signed as a free agent but but Tyler Algier Bijan Robinson draft pick Kyle Pitts Drake London draft pick Cordero Patterson was a free agent that's about it they have built built this offense from the long haul for the long haul So they're getting value, and so far, I don't know about you, but from their high picks, I've liked what I've seen as far as the talent evaluation goes. Kyle Pitts, okay, I mean, you're picking top 10. You shouldn't miss, but Kyle Pitts, good. Drake London, good. Tyler Algier, fantastic. We'll see about Bijan Robinson, but from a talent perspective, you got to like the pick. Now, you give up some of the financial flexibility of a cost controlled rookie. If you draft a running back that high, because he's already, he becomes automatically one of the top five or six highest paid running backs. That's okay. If he performs like it, you don't mind it so much because you've got money elsewhere. Now, where does the next steps of this building need to go? It needs to go to the defense. They've built, they've built an offense. They have bought a defense to a certain extent. Now, They've put some draft picks into it. You've got Grady Jarrett and still, and you've put some draft picks into it with uh, with Troy Anderson is, is somebody that they they spent a high pick on. Richie Grant is someone they spent a high, a high pick on. They inherited AJ Terrell, who's been really good. But after that, it's been free agents. And that's okay. That's okay. They have some free agent money. They prioritize based on where the draft was, where the team was, where the money goes to wide receivers of going young and cheaper on offense and buying the defense. But the next step of this for the long haul then is to find those cornerstone pieces on defense. A.J. Terrell is one. I think we all believe that. After that, it's a little questionable. Arnold Obichetti, Troy Anderson, Taquan Graham, maybe. Um, Jesse Bates is one they bought, but he cost a lot of money. He should be a foundational piece for a long time. Um, Caden Ellis, we'll see but the next step of this team for building it for the next five years, because again, we'll all be here in five years. You know, we've been, we've been watching this team for a long, long time. I don't know about you, but I've been watching them since about 1979. Um, We'll still be here. The next step is to really to, to pour some of those, those high draft picks and build this team on the defensive side of the ball. So, let me hit some of the now that the F- facebook has opened up we've tripled our numbers it was you know zero for the first three minutes and now there's lots of people coming i want to say hello to some folks that have come in the chat clayton here on coming in this is morning guys it's been a while working a ton smash that like button and share yes sir can't tell you how much the all the social media algorithms they work off of engagement so the more you like the more it says hey other people might like this too. So it it really, really helps Clayton. he also says, I have you guys as a sleeper team. Clayton's a Broncos fan. We do a lot of crossover work, with the Broncos and Falcons. It works out pretty well. And um, I think that the, the Falcons are in a pretty good spot. The, the it's interesting to me. And I'll, I'll, a couple of guys have been getting some love as receivers. Uh, Pete Schrager has called out Drake London as one of his breakout guys. Um, then, uh, I forgot who it was on, on NFL, uh, but Kyle Pitts was his guaranteed riser. Well, 386 yards last year, I'll guarantee he beats that too. But you can't do that without quarterback play. And Desmond Ritter has been, if he's not the most disrespected player right now. He's close with, you know, PFF writes, he showed little to even prove he could be even an average quarterback. Really? R- really? He had like a 95 rating his last three games. That's that's not bad. That's better than average. So if he can play at an average level, this team's going to be pretty darn good. Chris Walker comes in. He says, don't forget our fullback. He's one of the better ones around today. They're cheap no matter what. <laughs> but yes, I agree. And um, I think he's phenomenal. It's, it's, I've said before, there's a lot of folks that watch me do Falcons and Broncos in here. And I've said the guy that does the grades for the Falcons on PFF do a good job. That might be the one place i disagree with him on. He's got Keith Smith as like a 55. I thought Keith Smith was amazing last year as a blocker uh, playing the fullback position. Um, And Ryan Adonis says, we literally had guys who could be in the NFL next year starting on the Falcons last year. Oh man, that 2021 team, Ryan, I was like, how many legit NFL players like starters do you have on this team? Literally. And I was like, four? You know, that was about it. Now some of them developed. Some of them developed really well. Cause I didn't have Caleb McGarry in there. I had Jake Matthews. I had Jake Matthews. I had Chris Lindstrom on offense. And that was about it. Then I had Grady Jarrett and AJ Terrell on that team. And then last year, Caleb McGarry. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, right guard center. Dalman finished Solid. I've, I've talked a lot about Dalman before and how I, I think he played his way into um, to a starting role for this year where they weren't actively trying to replace him. Matthews is still solid. London, absolutely. Kyle Pitts, absolutely. Tyler Algier, absolutely. That's just that side of the ball. There were two guys on defense maybe you could count on in 2021. 2022 got a little better. But 2023, you've bought six new starters, for goodness sake. Uh, compare that 2020 21 team, Ryan. Fabian Moreau or Jeffrey Okuda. Now, Okuda may not have lived up to the billing of top three, but Fabian Moreau was a disaster. He was a disaster in Atlanta. He was so bad. And he follows up by saying, if Jake Matthews is your biggest question, you're in a damn good spot. Matthews is a consistent pro who built his body and, and better and better every year. Now, he's not... If, if I had him as my biggest question, I was I, I misspoke. He's not a question. I was just saying with his his contract is really the only one that's still a problem for this team. Um, meaning that, and, and if he's playing well, it's not a problem. But a 28 million cap hit against a $55 million dead cap hit, you're you're really stuck with that huge cap hit this year. Um, probably disproportional to where he is on the team, but that's okay. You can live with that. It goes down significantly next year, and then 2025, you've got flexibility to see. If he's still at that level, or hey, you're 33, 34 years old, maybe you want to do something else. Jake Matthews has been everything you want in a left t- tackle when they drafted him number one over uh, in the number one. He was top 10 overall. Um, was that the year after they got Matt Ryan? So, like 2000, it's been a while. He's he's getting to be an OG. Um, Joe Cannon says, Great morning, Scott. Uh, good morning to you as well. And then uh, he says, Jared verse next year's first round pick. I haven't dove and dived into next year's draft too much. Um, I'll still go and say I want defense. <laughs> now, if this team wildly fails expectations, then I'm going to want a quarterback. But right now, what this team really misses is, and and we put up the the story last week about uh, Danielle Hunter and why he would make sense. Uh, because what they really still don't have right now is an alpha edge pass rusher. They've got a lot of improvements. They've got a lot of guys now who can get pressure and hopefully that all of that that, that, that tide rises everybody. When you've got pressure now coming up the middle from Anyamata and Jarrett, instead of Jarrett having to face three blockers, Taequann Graham, who's out there. Taequann Graham is out there at OTAs. Uh, I can't wait to see him back. He was... For me, he was two things. He was the most improved and the most underappreciated Atlanta Falcon last year. Um, Caleb McGarry could be most improved. That's that's a that's a good a good argument. But Caleb McGarry got the plaudits. I don't think people realized how good Taquan Graham was last year. Um, on a fifth-year deal, cheap, and when he went out, it was a loss. And you've got those three guys up the front up in the middle now. And then you've got some guys you can bring in for rotation uh, with, with Bud Dupree, Lorenzo Carter, Arnold Ebicchetti. Let's see if D'Angelo Malone takes a step up at edge. Caden Ellis can bring a lot of heat from different areas. Um, you can bring corners. You've got a little bit more uh, talent in the defensive backfield to bring blitzes from from other angles. So you still don't have that one guy that has to be accounted for on every play right now other than maybe Grady Jarrett. I still want that. That's still what I want next year for um, for the Atlanta Falcons. Is that that dude as an edge? When's the last time that was? We had it for the last time I can remember was one year of uh, of Vic Beasley, 2016. One year Uh, before that, Jonathan Abraham. You know that guy. It's been a while. There haven't been a ton of them with the uh, with the Atlanta Falcons that were legitimate. Feared pass rushers. The 98 Falcons had four guys up front that could get after the quarterback that worked really well as a unit. A unit, was it, was it Um, Chuck Smith was on that team and I can't remember all four of them, but they, between them, they had like 40 sacks. Uh, that was a, a hell of a front four. Um, Kevin Mapp says, good morning, Kennedy. Good morning to you as well. Coming in on Facebook. Big Ant says, good morning, Scott. Hello, everyone in the chat. Um and, and Joe says uh verse is that edge. Okay, good, good. Um, and Kevin says, until I study, I always defer to defense first for picks. Yeah, so it's been, you know, if you're a defensive guy, it's been a little disappointing the few drafts, but no, I um I I was adamant against Kyle Pitts at the time, um, just because they weren't ready to use him. So for the for the these two years. And even now, I predicted, you know, even in year three, when you're ready to start coming out of the doldrums, if you didn't get your quarterback then, you're still going to have questions at quarterback. So we're, now we're at that stage. We've come out of cap hell, put enough money on the field, enough talent on the team to be competitive, but you still have a big question at quarterback. Hopefully that question's been answered because then you've got two young guys in Kyle Pitts and Drake London but you still have questions coming in. We'll we'll find out. We'll find out. But one of the things I think I failed to consider at the time. Kyle Pitts was 20 years old. You know, he's he's 22 right now. He'll turn 23 uh, in September. He's going to he can be a falcon. Arthur Blank doesn't lose free agency really wants to keep. He can he can pay those guys. The problem with Arthur Blank has been letting Thomas Demistrov waste his money on guys that we wanted. They should have moved and, and gotten draft picks back for and, and not been saddled with awful contracts. Um, yeah, the, and, and Ryan says, I think they're going to make uh, Arnold Ebiketti have the Micah Parsons role. I don't know if he'll play inside at all. Um, Micah Parsons didn't play a whole lot inside either. But yeah, turn him loose. Um, now, no, Arnold's not, and this isn't a knock on him, but he's not the athlete that Micah Parsons is. Micah, when Micah Parsons tested at Penn State, him and um, uh, was it Adafa Owe? I think he was going by Jason at the time, Jason Owe. They put up numbers, and I said, with Owe's numbers, I said, and I, I don't mean this with, with hyperbole, but Owe's numbers, he got drafted by the Ravens. The second he puts on a helmet, he's going to be one of the most athletic guys in the NFL. And that's saying, he was 260 pounds, and was running four threes with like a 38, 39-inch vertical. Michael was 245 pounds running the four fours, and when he when he had that pro day, I I wrote it up as this is good news for the Falcons. I didn't think they'd take him because he just played his way into being a top, uh, in contention for a top five pick. See, I wanted the Falcons to trade down, so the more guys that were going to be really good in there was going to be good news for the Falcons. Now it turns out they would have been in really good shape if they had taken Parsons to be an edge, but for athletically speaking Micah Parsons is really on um a different different level than AK that's why AK dropped to the second round um but consider it doesn't mean he can't be a really good player um uh, there aren't many guys in the NFL that are as athletic as Micah Parsons and it was it was Johnny Babineau I wasn't positive that who was one of those guys that was on that 98 team um underrated and solid for almost a decade um some of y'all may know this. Uh, I'm not sure, but but um, Johnny Jonathan Babineau has a son who is a 12U plays up, plays 13U baseball player who is damned good. Johnny Babineau plays up on. Uh, I don't know if he may have moved back down to his age group, but he had been playing up with the Dingers out of Buford, who are one of the top five or six teams in the state. So good genes in that family. So um, Johnny Babino, the younger, the son. Uh, is wide, built like a fullback, doesn't have his dad's height yet, and can just rip. Um good hitter. So uh love seeing these uh these these kids coming through. It's it's fun watching them as they show up. You know, uh Champ Bailey's got a son that plays in my son's age group. Um Matthew Harpering has a son in our age group. There's there's lots of guys that come through um that you get to see. And 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 Johnny Babino is a heck of a of a of a baseball player too. Um, Thomas Sills says we've been disrespected since that last that Super Bowl. I think we surprised a lot of people between now and next season. Surprise. So what would be surprising to you? Um, what would be surprising to me is another seven and ten season. And the thing is that the over-under on wins is set at eight and a half, was the initial one set out of one of the lines in Vegas. I think eight and a half is fair. Knowing that you know you do have questions at quarterback, you've got a whole bunch of new new faces um, on on defense. how well they come together? but as as we've said on this before, you're, it's not like the team should go in reverse because you've got a bunch of new faces on defense. I really cannot see a way that this defense is not improved. I, I just I can't. If Ryan Nielsen doesn't have the guys just flat out quit on him, I cannot see a way where this team is. Ryan Nielsen is the new defensive coordinator. I know we've got an intimate group in here, but not everybody follows this daily like we do. Uh, Ryan Nielsen's the new defensive coordinator. And came over from the Saints. The the talent level that is going to be on the field on defense is eons better than what we've seen the last two years. And I just, I, they're 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 going to be better. So even if it takes some time for them to gel into what they can become they're automatically better than they were last year and last year's team on offense. uh, Caleb McGarry, maybe um, reverts back to his pre 2022 form. And you've got a problem there. Matthew Bergeron is completely overwhelmed and they don't have an adequate backup. Drew Dahlman takes a step back from where he finished last season. Okay. Maybe. Um, Desmond Ritter struggles. Okay, Taylor Heineke's a pretty good quarterback. The floor in this room is better than it was last year. Uh, your wide receiver room is better than it was last year. Arthur Smith's in his third year with this system. I just, another seven and 10. The, the eight and a half, I think, is an okay number, but I, I'd probably take the over right now. What would be surprising to me is anything under eight and anything over 11. 12 and 5, I think, would be surprising. 7 and 10 would be surprising. So, what's that put us at? 8, 9, 10, 11, somewhere in there. That four game swing, I think, feels about right. Anything on the either side of that feels a lot of, uh, feels very questionable. Um, let me see here. Big Ant says, I agree outside of Grady, we don't have an A guy pass rusher. I would draft the guy in the next year's draft. Big Ant, I think the Falcons have wanted that guy in the last three drafts. In 2021, there wasn't one uh, except Pars- it turned out to be Parsons, but he was like, okay, now we talk about the Micah Parsons role because that's what happened with Micah Parsons. He wasn't, he was a linebacker, he was an inside linebacker. Maybe we can move him up to edge, but going in, he wasn't considered a number four overall. Now he would be. Last year, the edge guy, or uh, two years ago with Drake London didn't work out. Those guys weren't there. Um, and then this year they were gone as well. Um, you know, I would have gone with another corner if they had been there, if sauce had been there, if Stingley had been there, I would have gone with either of those two guys. Um, but the way, then we saw what happened with the market with wide receivers and okay, well, getting a cheap wide receiver, it may not be a bad idea either. When, when you've got guys getting $20 million from, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars to be a number three. Let me see here. Uh, Kevin Mapp says, if I was GM, we would have Parsons and Kyle Hamilton on this team. Just saying, no disrespect to Pitts or London's. No, and mine would have been Justin Fields at number four. I would have taken my quarterback at number four. And then Kyle Hamilton was my guy at eight last year. Uh, Not necessarily a value position, but for me, it was he's really good. He finished with PFF as a rookie. He finishes PFF's number one safety. He's from Atlanta, Marist kid. Uh, You know, I just think you could have made him the face of. This franchise, uh, which was something the team needed, was an identity and the local kid, the talent. You know, if you can go running back at eight, you can go safety at eight. You know, talking about positional value. Uh, Mine would have been Justin Fields at four, and then um, and then I would have taken Kyle Hamilton. But for the long term, you know, we had to suffer too. For the long term, Pitts and London are good picks. So. You know, I don't, I don't mind that you have to have backing from your owner to think like that, to not just think, okay, what can we do to, that's going to help us win, right? Win two more games and save our jobs. So we go eight and nine instead of seven and 10. So, you know, again, for the long haul, I'm okay with it. I, 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 pr- I would have taken a shot on the, on the quarterback. So, um, big ant says, my question is how much time is it going to take this defense to get together and play as one cohesive unit? Big Ant's a great question. Um, there's some guys coming over that on 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 that level on the off, on the defensive line that have played for Nielsen, on the linebacker that have played for Nielsen, that'll help. Um, and then you've got some guys that are hungry and uh, you know, that, that that have struggled. You got Troy Anderson. Um he he's not married to one system because he's just started playing. Um AJ Terrell. He's a wind him up and turn him loose. Not too worried about that. Um, I think it's more about just knowing your assignments because it's going to be more complicated. You've got more talent to try and do some things. Dean Peace held that team together with duct tape back there. Uh, you know, when you, Again, I've, I've made this joke a zillion times, but you know, they're putting a defense on the field with cast-offs from the Bears and Titans. It's like, oh, here's the new Falcon starter. The Bears just waved a guy from their practice squad. Um, so... Even if it takes a little while to come together, it will immediately be better because they just weren't good. Uh, Joe Cannon says, Mayfield has been working out at right tackle. I believe this is his last chance. He was drafted to put pressure on Kayla McGarry at right tackle. Kayla McGarry was playing better, and, and, and Mayfield only played 14 games in college. That's the one that kills me. I would have taken Spencer Brown in a heartbeat. Uh, Spencer Brown ended up starting as a rookie for the Buffalo Bills, and he was there. He lasted until the end of the third round. Um, and they drafted so many guys from the senior bowl and then they didn't take Caleb McGee, uh, take Spencer Brown. That was, that was one of those head scratchers to me. Um, Mayfield was banged up a little bit last year, you know, spent the whole time on injured reserve. We'll see how he comes back, but yeah, this is his last chance. And he, I don't, I don't blame him for being as bad as he was his rookie season. He played 14 games and was moved to guard. he never played guard and barely played tackle. That was an institutional failure that Mayfield had to play, uh, and I don't mean I don't mean just uh, Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot, but the situation with money getting into that spot. That you didn't. have I don't blame a guy for being bad. He, if he if he's the best you've got, it's not his fault that he's not good enough. It's the Falcons' fault for that not being able to replace him. So we'll see on 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 uh, on Mayfield. He was a disaster as a rookie through very little fault of his own. battled a back problem early and then they they redshirted him last year basically and then this will be it. but that was a that was a wasted opportunity, Joe, um with that pick. Chris says I think we win at least 10 games. I think that sounds about right. And uh Kevin says I think fans need to keep expectations realistic. If we win 9 games this year is a success. Ritter's still basically a rookie. Yeah. I think eight through 11, um, that eight and a half, a nine and eight season, I think is acceptable. I think eight and nine is acceptable. I think 10 and 11 is wow. Great job. I think under eight is a disappointment. That's where I am with my expectations. Um, eight and nine would be okay. I'd be a little disappointed nine and eight. I'm like, okay, they they did fine. Let's one more year, Arthur fourth year. Now let's see. You get another year. If they go under uh, 7 and 10 or worse, got, got, we got problems. We got problems, Kevin. Jeremy's saying, Morning Scott, just stop in and say hi and hit a like, and you're a prince for doing so. You're a prince for doing so. Um, Ryan Adonis says, I think since Mayfield had a first-round grade, according to mock drafts, the Falcons thought of him as BPA in the third round. Mayfield deserves one more chance. Um, he didn't have a first-round grade. Um, maybe one person did, but he was actually panned as being kind of a reach even at that spot. Um, the thought was he was a road grading mauler and would fit what they try and do what, what Arthur Smith likes to do. It just hasn't worked out yet. If he was a seventh rounder, Ryan, he'd be gone. He's getting one more spot, one more chance because you spent a third round pick on him and you saw something at the time. He was a UDFA or a six or seven, a day three pick. He'd he'd be gone. He would be Gonzalez because he hasn't shown enough. But I'm okay. Put him in the you know he's he's in the ninety. Let's see what he can do this summer. You got a chance. Go earn it. Um, and then um, realistically, no team on our schedule is more talented than we are. We are uh, Harry Marshall Wood the third said. You know that's a good that's a good point. Um, Considering that you might, you you could go New Orleans Saints. I think they're the highest rated team on our schedule, on the Falcon schedule. They they play them twice. After that, you know, that's that's about it. I don't think the Falcons are getting enough credit for the talent they have. Again, you look at that offense and take Desmond Ritter out of the equation. And you're talking about the, arguably the, a top three unit on the offensive line two of the better pass receivers, and arguably the best running back room in, in the NFL? Uh, that's pretty good. Um, there's still questions on defense and depth. You know, Akuda was kind of a cast off from Detroit. He's in your starting lineup. Klaas uh, Gamble's an old guy. So what, he's still good. He's really good. You go, um, and, and the edge is still a big question for me, but the defensive backfield looks looks good to me. You go AJ Terrell, Jesse Bates, Richie Grant, and Jeff Akuda. That's a solid four. And you've got some backups there too. Mike Hughes is your, as your next guy in. Uh, and then some guys that had to start last year are now in rotational roles. All right. Not too bad. Not too bad. Bald headed Falcon fan asks if we win eight to eleven, do you keep DR9 as quarterback one? Um, so eight to eleven wins is Desmond Ritter, your quarterback in 2024, probably. Probably. I mean, there's a lot, that's a, there's a lot of factors that go into that. You know, what if Desmond gets hurt in week two and Taylor Heineke was the one that won all those games. Um, a lot of factors that go in, you know, are you throwing the ball 12 times a game and playing suffer ball again, because you don't trust him to pass the ball, then no, you, you make a move. But if he is playing, you know, at, at an average level, two to one touchdown ratio uh, limiting turnovers, converting third downs, then yeah, you, you, you move forward with him, um, uh, fall below that. Again, there's a lot of circumstances that would lead into that, but if you win eight to 11 games, that's a pretty big stretch in the NFL. You win 10 games with Desmond Ritter as your quarterback, then you're going to have Desmond Ritter as your quarterback. Um, Marco Z says best Falcons live show ever. Keep up the amazing work. Hey, thanks. And I love the, the, the pooch in your picture on there. And then real quick, my I ran into my friend Jeremy at baseball this weekend. He's from down in uh down in middle Georgia. So I don't get to see him very often. he says, Hey, I watch your show all the time. Put it on to listen. So shout out to my friend Jeremy if you're watching today. It was great to see you. Hope uh hope everybody's doing well and you got home safely. Um, Harry says, put Mahomes on our offense and he stomps any other team he's added to. Oh uh, well, I mean, that's a big one. You know, Patrick Mahomes is arguably the best player in the NFL right now. Um, but yeah, how much difference does that make? You know, does what if, if Mahomes is on this roster, which is generally ranked 26th overall, and you switch one guy, where do you rank this roster then? Where do they where does the Q rating get? Because I swear it's a popularity contest. Oh, you've got the quarterback now. Your roster just went from 26 to five. No, it no, it didn't. Um Maybe our power ranking does, <laughs> but uh, no, I just don't, uh, you know, that, that's a, that's a tough one. I mean, cause Patrick Mahomes is, he's arguably the best player in the NFL right now. Um, Kevin says, uh, he says the saints have more talent until it comes to coaching. and I feel like the, the saints have lost some, you know, what they're, some of their bills are coming due on that salary cap. But again, a lot of the Falcons talent is young. You know we just i went through the whole offense and the offensive line isn't going to get as much credit as skilled players people like oh let's look at the roster they, they like shiny objects they're not looking in the trenches as much and the trenches the offensive line is good and the defensive line is so much better it's so much better now um by the numbers cortez coming in says good morning everyone good morning to you as well welcome in feels like a newer name like I said, about when I'm about when my voice is given out and I'm ready to sign up, we've got our most most viewers. So if this is your first time in the show, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Um, and if you've got any questions after the fact, I live in my YouTube comments. Facebook's a little tougher to go back and get comments on, but I'm absolutely all over my YouTube comments all the time. Uh, Michael says, morning, Scott. I'll let you know when I send out your package. We're going to the playoffs this year. Now, Michael reached out to me and said, hey, I want to send you some, some coffee. And I thought you said... Puerto Rico, was it? So, very cool. Very cool. We've got, um, got a guy from Hawaii at lioncoffee.com that sends us some coffee too. So, thank you. Thank you. Brandon Swank says If there's one big name free agent out there, which one would you grab if the Falcons could do that? that you know, that's a great question, Brandon. I would still want to go edge. And I feel like a couple of those guys have just gotten snatched up. You know, it was Leonard Floyd? Was he just taken off? It was Frank Clark? I think he was, he just got picked up by the Denver Broncos. Uh, Leonard Floyd probably would have been my guy. Um, Georgia guy, uh, went and scouted him up at Hargrave military Academy and put five stars next to his name coming into college. So I've, I've been following him for a long time. Um, that's where I would probably want to go. Um, I might want to find out how Ben Powers is feeling at center. Hey, give him a call. How you, how you doing, dude? You know, we could we could use, uh, maybe another center. You feel pretty good with Hennessy and, and Dalman, but hey, why not get on the phone and and just make sure um but that goes to all of that kind of goes to show the Falcons are in pretty good shape they're they're in pretty good shape they they keep bringing in corners they keep bringing in wide receivers. I guess the big answer would be DeAndre Hopkins he'd be nice to bring in um another big wide receiver um but I, I'd still look edge and the pickings are getting kind of slim. I'd wait until. Beginning of August, there's going to be salary cap moves that for people that aren't going to make it. You know, maybe the the, the Vikings again. I, I would still look very seriously at Daniel Hunter. I really would. Uh, Chris Walker says, Mayfield may be a decent swing tackle and emergency guard. I hope that he can show something good if he makes the team great. If not, it's time to move on. Also, if he doesn't make, on the, te- make the team improve on your scouting and talent evaluation. I think, think so far he's been a miss, but overall... I think they've done really good with their draft picks. I do. Um, again, Taequann Graham was that, that first class. You're going through it again. Um, Richie Grant and at, in the second and Jalen Mayfield in the third right now are, are big question marks. Richie Grant showed progress, but so far he hasn't lived up to that number two billing when you look at you know the players that were in that area and what you're expecting, especially from a safety. You can usually get... Really, really good value at safety in the second round. Um, but Taequann Graham and Avery Williams have been really good. Arnold Biketti was really good last year. At the very top, Kyle Pitts, Drake London. And, yeah, you're drafting at the top. Those aren't always automatic hits. So, so far, I think they've been doing pretty – doing well on that. Uh, Keith Robbins says, the show is the best. Thanks, Keith. You guys helped make it the best. Sometimes I get in here, I'm like, what am I going to talk about? I'm like, well, we'll talk about team building and, and hopefully – um, you know, the chat can can get involved and be interactive and we can we can turn it into a, a pretty good show because, again, I, I preached patience, doom and gloom expectations the last two years getting to this point where the Falcons were going to come out from underneath the, the the cap hell that Thomas Dimitrov put them in and this offseason has been terrific. I, nothing but good marks. For uh, for the for Terry Fontenot and the Atlanta Falcons in the offseason, a lot of it's going to hinge on Desmond Ritter. It just is. Um, but it, it, I see so much hypocrisy in the writing. The PFF guy I mentioned earlier says he's shown very little to prove that he can be an average quarterback. And then he mentions a couple stats. And at the very... At the very end, he says, so it's too early to draw any conclusions. Well, you drew one at the very beginning, dude. Your intro says he's not even going to be an average quarterback, but it's too early to draw conclusions. Well, you just did. I'm not. I'm not going to go out and say, I saw some things I liked, but we still have questions until he goes out and does it on a week-to-week basis. I think that's fair. You know, I'm not talking Pro Bowls, and I'm not ready to throw him out with the bathwater. So let's see. The Falcons, the, the, what we know is the Falcons have backed him and they've had chances to go out and get quarterbacks. Tells me a lot right there. And I liked what I saw with my own eyes when I saw him at the Senior Bowl. I thought he may be the best quarterback there. Might be the first quarterback taken. I think he was second behind Kenny Pickett. When he got what we saw on the field at, with the Atlanta Falcons and in an NFL uniform, I liked what I saw. Um, let me see, we're about finished here. Um, and Roderick says that's because there's a twisted attitude about quarterbacks. Scott, there's only one golden player and about three other top ones. And and just the quarterback gets too much credit. It's an old saying. Quarterbacks get too much credit when they win and too much blame when they lose. It is. It's it's a very, very shallow view of when when you're looking at teams. You know, do they have the quarterback or not? And if they don't, well, they can't win. Who's to say they don't? Who's to say they don't? Um, Let me see. I think we've got about... And Joe says, I would bring in Yannick Ngakwe. That's a pretty good shout. Um, He's pretty much going to guarantee you eight-plus sacks. He's one of six players in the NFL to get eight-plus sacks in his first six seasons in the NFL. Uh, And the other one looks like a who's who of... uh, Like a Mount Rushmore of pass rushers. Um, So Ngakwe out there might uh, might be worth a phone call. But he's not... He's not great setting the edge, but that's okay. I got Calais Campbell now. I got I got 300 plus pounds of Shaquille O'Neal out there playing defensive end. <laughs> I can bring Ngakwe in on pass rush on on pass rush situations. So interesting. Um, good shout. Um, on that note, I think we're gonna get out of here, guys. Um, I'm gonna say hello to Zach Powers too. I think we said hello to about just everybody so far that that got to come in. So I want to thank y'all for being here. Um, we won't miss Mondays anymore. I'll go by myself uh, if, if, if Nick's not available and because we'll have a show with y'all. And I might start getting some guests. I'm always hesitant to ask people, but I've been working with guys for 20 years. I know a ton of people. If, if y'all would like to see some guests, I can start bringing in some, some special guests, some former Falcons, some some scout guys I know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I like doing some of the crossover things where hey let's take a look play the saints twice let me get my friend kyle on the phone kyle mosley covers the saints maybe we do some of those type of things so it is june so we've got some content to fill on june and july we will be here twice a week on mondays at 9 a.m on wednesdays at 9 a.m and then we'll see how it goes from there as y'all keep showing up keep contributing we may add more it's going to be kind of up to you on that note i'm going to get out of here thanks everybody for being here this morning it makes it so much fun to do this If you have any questions or anything, any follow-ups, if I screwed up something I said or you need some clarification, hit me on the chat or or hit me up on Twitter at Scout Kennedy and I'll I'll clarify or add some more detail. But on that note, I hope you'll have a great week and we'll see you Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. for the Falcons podcast.